So it's my opportunity, I have a neat opportunity this morning of uh, doing baptism, and it just so happens that it's my son-in-law this morning, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, 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 really, I'm really excited about this, and we typically, what we typically do is uh, have uh, people who have been baptized, it's been really neat, well, this is week three, that we have baptized someone every week for the last three weeks, we, yeah. Three weeks ago, we baptized two teenagers on a Wednesday night. Last week, we baptized two kids. And this week, we're going to be baptizing uh, Randy. And even next week, we're going to have another baptism. So, that's awesome. But I I wanted to read to you a little bit of Randy's story. We have a couple of questions that we typically ask. And the first one is, why do you want to be baptized? And Randy said, I feel God is calling me to move forward with my faith. I think this is the next step to go in public with my faith. And question number two says, explain in your own words who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. And Jesus, and Randy writes, Jesus is everything. The whole reason we live today, he he is who we lean on in the good times and the bad. He sacrificed his life for our sins. And the third question is, briefly explain the decision you made to follow, to allow Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And Randy wrote this. He said, at 16, I went to church with my friends and my family, and I was saved. And throughout my teenage and young adult years, a relationship with God was not something that I pursued. A few months ago, Pastor Chris, he doesn't call me Pastor Chris. (laughs) A few months ago, Chris talked about not going through the motions and being more than just a butt in the seat. Since then, a lot has happened in my life from the birth of my daughter to finding out that my wife has cancer. Her faith throughout her cancer journey has opened my eyes to how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus and trust Him no matter what. A few Sundays ago, they dedicated their daughter He said, I felt the Lord tell me that I needed to be baptized. One of the ways he described it to us that day was they had chills the whole service. He said he tried to shake them off and they wouldn't go anywhere. He said, I told my wife, I guess I'm no longer just a butt in the seat. Uh, it's really cool because Randy told me he might bet cannonball into the baptismal this morning. But I thought what was really neat is just a couple of things, and this is obviously more personal for me, but I want to say thank you to Bobby and Ashley and their family because they had an impact. Ashley and I, if you have kids... Start praying for your kids now. We started praying for our kids and the people that they would marry early on. And that that there would be people in their life who would impact their life. And so I just say thank you for the impact. Coach Bobby is what, what Randy calls him. Randy 
decided on Monday they wanted to be baptized a couple weeks ago. And that night they went to San Felipe. And he said, I don't even know why, but I told the, uh, the, wait, the waiters at San Felipe that I was going to get baptized. <laughs> and so we're going to baptize Randy. Um, baptism in itself is not salvation. Obviously, if you've already heard, Randy has made a decision to let Jesus be the Lord of his life. And uh, salvation is just a step. I mean, uh, baptism is just a step in going public with his faith. And the church coming alongside of him and recognizing that we have a responsibility to help disciple people when they say yes to Jesus. And uh, so one of the things that we like to do here at the church is if you guys will stay seated while we're going to do the baptism, the band's going to start to play. And um, when Randy, when I baptize Randy and he comes up out of the water, um, we like to celebrate in those moments because this is such a spiritual uh, choice, a spiritual part of his journey. And we're just excited for him, um, for Allie, for their family um, today. And so, um, Randy, invite you, buddy. Good morning, good morning. How you guys doing? Man, what a great time of worship, man. Thanks for being here. Believe that God has something for you. We are in a study of 1 John, so if this is your first week um, and you have uh, the Bible app on your smartphone, otherwise uh, the scripture this morning will be on the screen before you. Uh, I was reminded again of a passage I read actually last week that's found in Matthew chapter 7, and it says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And this was a great reminder to us as Jesus was teaching his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount that there is a wide road in our culture, in our day, in our time, in our life that leads to destruction. And it says that many people are walking that path. They're going, they're going through that gate. They're walking that path. But then it says that there are a few who are taking... The small path in which leads to life, and that's talking essentially of what Jesus is talking about is a relationship with him. And I think that's a great reminder as we jump into this morning. The things that used to be important to you are no longer important, are they? Come on now, like when you were a teenager, they're just not that important anymore, are they? Like, okay, so I can remember as, as, I can remember as a baby. I don't remember when I was a baby, but I can only imagine that when, I, when we were babies, what was really important at that time was milk. We had to have milk to survive, or we had to have food to survive in those moments. We wanted the, the, the tender, loving care of our parents, our mother, father. We wanted that. That was really important to us. And then as we grew up, that wasn't as important to us, right? Then we become like kids, elementary school age kids, and then we, we like to play with toys, right? I don't know about you, but I used to play with cars and trucks. Anybody like cars and trucks? Come on, guys. Like, right? My, my, my dad would always get me like one of these 18-wheelers, and we'd go out there, and my brother would come in. We'd crash it. You know, we'd crash our cars, and then we'd end up getting in a fight, and I would hit him with a golf club or a cowboy boot or something like that, and it was all over. Um, but, but then as I got older, those things weren't as important to me. I didn't, you know, then you kind of get into your middle school years, and you don't, you don't you're, too, you're too mature to play with cars and trucks, Right? 
Yeah, are you guys following with me this morning? Like, are you growing up or are you still living your middle school years, right? And so all of a sudden now, you no longer like to play cars and trucks. You like to play sports. You like to play video games, right? Video games. And then I see a couple guys saying, no, good. Don't play video games. All right. And then you get into your high school years and no longer is, you know, that as important, although for most high schoolers, video games are still important. Now you start to like to drive. That's really important. You want to be able to get your license. You start to like the, you like, start to like people of the opposite sex, right? And your mom and dad are like, no, stay away from them, you know. Don't want to have to deal with that right now. So then you, then you kind of grow up and then you go into college and the things that, you know, things in your college years weren't the same as in your high school. You realize that all your high school friends were idiots and that you don't even really like them anymore. They're not your friends. And, uh, and, and so then other things become more important and then you get out of college and you become an adult and you start to get married and you realize that video games are still important. It's an escape, Right. Uh, and, and, and then all of a sudden now you start to have kids, you know, and then you got to get a job and now you're like, man, I got to get them go to work every morning. Dang it. I wish I could go back to being a teenager. And, and, and then you kind of grow up and then you become a grandparent. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Then you forget about your kids and you love your grandkids. <laughs> like what kids? What kids? No, I love you guys. Appreciate it. I, I really do. And you realize that things just aren't as important as they used to. It's really interesting because that so applies to our passage today. As John was talking to believers in the church, he was talking to them about things that hinder their relationship with Jesus. And I think that's one of the things for us to begin to evaluate in this day and time. What are the things that hinder our relationship with Jesus? And that's essentially what we're going to be talking a little bit about this morning. So I I did a little research on, on the internet, right? Top 10 things that Americans love the most, right? Top 10 things Americans love the most, okay? Now, I can't remember where I actually got this. And you guys know that Google's always true, right? The internet's always true. And so the first thing was this, top 10 things most, most Americans like, NASCAR. Bunch of rednecks, right? Obviously they took this poll in the South, <laughs> like South Carolina, Georgia, you know, bunch of rednecks like NASCAR. How many people like NASCAR? Wow, really? I figured in Leland there'd be more than that. Maybe we should start a small group for NASCAR lovers, right? All right. All right. Next one is peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Yeah, peanut butter jelly sandwiches, unless you're allergic to peanut butter. All right. The next one I found really interesting, suing everyone for everything. Right? That's got to be the most important thing, right? All right. The, the next one, Twinkies. Yeah, everybody loves a good Twinkie, right? Dr. Pepper. Not sure where that came from. We're in Coke, or actually Pepsi, because Pepsi was born in North Carolina. I don't know if you guys knew that. No, not sure where Dr. Pepper came from. All right. This one I found really interesting, ice. How many people love ice? All right. Now, if you go to another country, you'll realize that Americans love ice because in other countries, they don't give you ice. They just give you a drink, right? Okay. Next one, coffee. Yeah. I knew I'd get a big one out of that one. A bunch of addicts. All right. <laughs> Not sure about this one. Fuzzy slippers. I think it's all those guys playing video games. They wear their fuzzy, fuzzy slippers while they're playing video games, right? 
If you're a guy and you have fuzzy slippers, it's time to throw them out. All right? Uh, movies with Tom Hanks. No? Okay. All right. Not sure where that one came from. All right. All right. And then here's the last one, taking showers. I hope that one's really important, right? Hey, guys, listen, if you want to get a girlfriend, take a shower, okay? I can remember a couple of my nephews, when they went to middle school camp, they didn't take a shower the whole week. Yeah, they sprayed bug spray on them. That was their shower, right? And they stunk to high heaven, right? Awesome. So, those are the things that Americans find is the most important. It's really interesting because now John starts to help us understand that there are things that we have made more important than our relationship with the Lord. So, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, what I love about John is that he writes pretty clear, right? You don't have to actually go to the Greek and look at all the Greek words to actually know what he just said, right? What did he say? He said, don't love the world or anything in the world. What does he mean by that? Don't love the world or anything in the world, right? It's pretty clear, pretty simple. And then he goes to say, if anyone loves the world, makes it even more simpler. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is what? It's not in them. So, he's getting pretty clear. Now, I, I, it was really interesting. I got done at, at the first service, and, and I'm like, man, it, it's almost like it was kind of a Debbie Downer, right? I'm glad this message was this week and not last week on Mother's Day, right? So here we go, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, what? It does what? Pass away. It means it's temporary. It means it doesn't exist. It means in our culture, we're running after things that really don't matter most of the time, because they, they pass away. But whoever does the will of God actually lives forever. And I believe that, that actually points us right back to what we talked about last week, that for us to know if we're in right relationship, for us to know that we're in relationship with God is when we become obedient to the things that God tells us to do. That's essentially what he says in the earlier part of 1 John chapter 2. He says, if you obey if you walk in obedience, then you're walking in the light, you're walking in relationship with Jesus. And so, he goes on to kind of give us three kind of things that are a part of the process of helping us to understand if we are buying into the lies of the world, if we're living into the things of the world, or we're, or we're loving the things of the world more than we're loving the things of God. He goes, he says, the lust of the flesh. What does he mean by the lust of the flesh? He, meant, he essentially means this physical pleasure. We, we've become a culture that likes, we like things that make us feel good physically, right? And I won't go through the list because there's kids in here this morning. But there are things that make us feel good physically. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know that as you process some of those things. It's really interesting because I was thinking about this. One of the things that actually came to mind was food. Yeah, we love food, but guess what? It can also be a lust of the flesh, right? Because the Bible talks about gluttony, and, and that our bodies are, are the—and I'm, I'm sorry that I just picked that one out. The Lord brought it to my mind, so I'm just giving it to you, okay? Don't shoot me for it after this, okay? Lust of the flesh, these physical pleasures, and then he talks about the lust of the eyes, 
this materialism, or, or if you look at it a little bit deeper, deeper, it's this covetousness, wanting the things that other people have. It's material things and, and becoming, becoming, becoming about those things. It's really interesting because if you watch TV, why do you think that these companies are hiring marketing divisions? Because what they want to do is they want to sell you on their product because they want you to fall in love with their product. Because if you fall in love with your product, then you'll buy it, and then you'll go back and buy it, and then you'll go back and buy it, and then you'll go back and buy it, and eventually you'll realize that you're in love with that product and you can't do without it. Lust of the eyes, materialism. And then he goes on to talk about the pride of life. It's this arrogance. This, you know, I'm better than everybody else. It's all about me. And one of the things I realized that really the Lord started pointing out to me at the beginning of the year was this verse in, in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 30, and it says that he must become greater. Essentially, Jesus must become greater and I must become less. And beginning to understand that, and I believe that so applies to our life, that if we can become more like Jesus, it becomes less about us, and it becomes more about the things of God and less about our own stuff. As I was reading this, it says that we have become a culture with an appetite for things that are only temporary. We've become an a culture with an appetite for things that are only temporary. The world's progress, technology, government, and organization can make man better off. Let's be honest. But it cannot make man better. Let me read that again. The world's progress, technology, government, and organization can make man better off, but it cannot make man better. It cannot make us more like Jesus. Because we like, we like being better off, it's easy to fall in love with the world. But the world system will never win out over God. So here's my thought for this morning as we look at those three verses is this. Love for the world is incompatible with love for the Father or love for God or love for His Son, Jesus. The two don't mix. You can't live in both worlds. Now, I'm not saying that having things is wrong, so don't, fool, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that the two can't exist in the same. If one becomes more important than the other, Jesus has to be more important than the things of the world. He says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in where? In heaven. In heaven. Where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of the light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and you will hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, the world draws from the heart, uh, the heart from God, and the more the love of the world prevails, the more the love of God decays. 
It decays. That's according, that, was, that came from Matthew Henry, a great scholar that writes on Scripture. John 17 goes in to even help us begin to understand that. I've given them, talking to his disciples, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so what he's saying is the things of God are incompatible with the things of the world. So I did some more research on Google because it's always true and found that what are some examples of things that don't go together? You guys ready? All right. Ice cream and bacon. Ice cream. Anybody like ice cream and bacon? I, together? You like them together? Wow. Never thought about it. Randy, do you like ice cream and bacon? Sounds good. Yeah, I tried it. R- Randy's like Mikey. He'll eat anything. All right. Gym and pizza. The gym, like going to the gym and working, exercising, and pizza don't go together. You thought I was talking about like Jim, some guy named Jim, right? <laughs> right. All right. Credit card bills and budgeting, they don't go together. I like this one. I like this one. Mexican food and tight jeans. <laughs> Again, Google's always right, right? Here's one, here's one for you, Ray. Politicians and answering questions. They just don't go together, right? Cats and dogs. Oh, that person has cat and dog. And, uh, yep, yep. Uh, Let's see, work and relationships, they don't go together. Fad diets and success stories. Great, Google's stupid. All right, Uh, here's another food one, cheese and mayonnaise. Anybody like cheese and mayonnaise together? Anybody, anybody? Oh, we got a couple, oh, look. What do you guys eat? Because he likes ice cream and bacon, and you like cheese and mayonnaise. What? Pimento cheese. Cheese and mayonnaise. Okay. I get it. All right. I do like pimento cheese. All right. I got you guys talking right now. All right. Pineapple and pizza. According to Google, they don't go together. You're messing up. Vegetarians and night out food. Go figure that one. And here's a good one. Last one. The phone and the bathroom. Don't lie. Every one of you take your phone to the bathroom, right? It's become the cool thing to do now. All right. And so we begin to understand that loving the world and loving Jesus, they just don't go together. And so it's beginning to try and understand how do we walk in relationship to God and we still live in the world. But it's not, it's not falling in love with things of the world. So we have to be able to look at our lives and say, are there things in my life that I've fallen in love with that are actually more important? The guy is really interesting. A few years ago, back when we moved here to plant the church over 15, 16 years ago, 
there was one of the families that moved with us, and they had just gotten done building their dream house. They had spent like two or three years. They built it by hand. The husband had spent days upon days upon days building his house, and then they came to us not long before we were getting ready to leave to, to, go, to go plant the church, and they came to us, and they said, hey, hey, Pastor Chris, um, we believe that we're supposed to go with you, and I'm just, we're just like, what about your house? Like, you've just completed, you just finished it. And they said, we realized that our house had become an idol to us. And that we were almost, we were almost unwilling to be obedient to the thing that God was calling us to because we had just finished our house. And so we have to be careful that things, I, I like to say to people, if you can't give it away, then your heart might be too tied to it. If you can't give it away, because at some point, see, there, at some point in your life, there may be a time when God comes to you and says, hey, I want you to do this. And if your heart is so tied to that one thing that you can't be obedient to God, then, then my question is, is your heart more tied to that thing than it is to God? What about your kids? What if they decide to move because they're being obedient to God? Do you want them to be obedient to God or you want them to do what you want them to do? And so it's, be, it's, it's beginning to understand that. Because the, so the, the thought for this is this, strive to be less connected to the things of the world and more connected to Jesus. Because the question I wrote out of this is this, is what I have, is what God has given me, is it being used to help advance his kingdom or is it being used to help make my life better? And I believe that we have to be able to evaluate that thing. Again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that having things is wrong. As the scripture says, you can't have two masters it's not that money is bad, it's that the love of money is bad. And that's where God differ, differentiates the two. And so let's keep moving on really quick. All right, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18. Now, now John takes a little bit of a turn, okay? But it, it so ties in to what we just talked about. Uh, verse 18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It, it is whoever denies, listen, this word, this word gets real. It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 
As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So So all of a sudden, John begins to kind of take a little bit of a turn, and he starts to talk about the Antichrist. Because what's happening is we fall in love with the things of the world, then we'll be, we'll be tempted to fall into, into love with the things that the Antichrist tries to start to do. Okay? So, who, who, what is the Antichrist? The name Antichrist is important. So, what John is saying is watch out for the Antichrist. Watch out for the Antichrist. The name Antichrist is important to understand. The prefix anti can mean the opposite of or instead of. The Antichrist is the opposite Jesus. He is the instead of Jesus. He will look wonderful by charming. He will look wonderful, be charming and successful. He will be the ultimate winner and appear as an angel of light. The Antichrist is an individual, but he will also be associated with a powerful government. The Antichrist will lead humanity in an end times rebellion against God. The Antichrist will be a world dictator who leads humanity in what seems to be a golden age until he shows true colors and the judgment of God is poured out on him and his empire immediately before the return of Jesus. The Antichrist will surround himself with the kind of personality cult we are conditioned to accept today. Not only in America do we practice, listen, not only in America do we practice a sick worship of celebrities, but around the world, nations of hundreds of millions of people have been induced to worship a person. Now, it's really interesting because you're like, because there's two different beliefs. There's a little bit of a belief system here. There's some believe that the, the Antichrist doesn't come until after Jesus returns, right? It's called pre, uh, pre-tribulation. Now, I'm going to try and not go too deep here. But there, there's this belief among some scholars that Jesus will actually come back and then the Antichrist will come into, to come into power. And so it may be that we don't have to deal with it. But I still think it's really important for us to understand because there are things that are very similar that are happening in our culture that if we're not careful of, we'll get sucked into believing. Okay? And so what he's saying is all true. And what I love about this is that he actually wraps up this section with this. All true believers will be given an anointing to discern the truth. Aren't you thankful for that? Hold on a minute. All true believers, right? Because he even says in the scripture earlier in some of these passages that some have walked away, that some among you have actually walked away from the truth. And so it's understanding, again, John's trying to help us understand, am I really in relationship with God? Do I desire the things of God? And do I love the world or do I love the things of God? And beginning to evaluate that and say, what's really important to me? What are the things that really matter the most? 
Because what he says is all true believers will be given an anointing to discern the truth, and that's found in verse 27, which is the Holy Spirit, right? If you go all the way back to the very first couple of verses of, of, John, of uh, 1 John chapter 2, he talks about how the advocate, he gives us the advocate to help us. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to discern truth if we'll take time to stop and ask, is this truth In finding truth, we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He's the Messiah, that He is as the Bible defines Jesus. Now, be careful because there are a lot of people who are trying to define Jesus these days. And the Bible is the only thing that defines Jesus, the Messiah who is fully God and fully man, who perfectly revealed the Father to us. And then he continues in 1 John Chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, he says, And now, dear children, continue in him. Continue in him. That's how we begin to walk through this part of our life. We continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at, this, at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And here's what I'll say. Truth comes. Here's the, here's the point. Truth comes from knowing Jesus and from knowing his word. That's how, what gives us the ability to discern the truth. And what I love is how really plain and simple, let's be how plain and simple this scripture becomes for us to begin to evaluate. Are we living for the things of the world? Or are we living for the things of God? He says to continue in him, which means we are to abide in him. And he actually says those words, in him. He actually says it like four or five times, all just in 1 John chapter 2. He says it multiple times. And we know that when a writer says something multiple times, that it's something that we should be paying attention to. So the question becomes, are you abiding in him? Are you walking in relationship with Jesus? Are you just going through the motions? Let's pray. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We've been given an opportunity, a choice. We're going to choose the things of the world. Are we going to choose the things of God? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ this morning. Maybe you've never said yes to him. You've never prayed and actually asked Jesus or said the words, Jesus, I want you in my life.
I want to surrender my life to you. I want to begin to know you. I want to begin to have a relationship with you. If you've never done that, then right now could is that moment if you've never said yes to him. And just like Randy, it was a turning point in his life when he was 16. And what God's doing now. I believe that God, we cannot ignore God. I promise you, He will run after you. And He will run after you. And He will run after you. He even tells a parable in the Gospels. It says that the shepherd left the 99 for the one. And that's how much God loved you. That he was willing to send his son to die on the cross. So that you might have the hope of salvation and relationship with him. Maybe you're here and you said yes to Jesus. What I love is that John was talking to a group of believers and what he was saying to them is, hey guys, if you've fallen in love with the things of the world, it's time to reevaluate, reprioritize the things that used to be important. They don't, they're not important anymore. Maybe your job or money or your car or your house or your relationship has become more important than the things of God. And maybe it's time to reprioritize. As the scripture says, I believe that God's trying to get our attention and show us the truth. And the question becomes, will we listen? We take a step of obedience this morning. We just about every Sunday open up the front up here. And I want to give you the opportunity that if you want to take a step of obedience this morning, if you need to do something if you say, I've been walking this direction, this used to be important to me, and God is revealing to me that that's not important to me to me anymore, but this, a relationship with him is more important, and I want to take a step of obedience. I want, to, I want to ask you to do that now. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and you want to say, my step of obedience is to get up out of my chair and to come down front and begin to pray and ask God to come into my life. Not that you can't do it in your chair. You absolutely can. But I believe sometimes God asks us to take steps of obedience. That there has to be a physical motion, a physical movement in that obedience. Just like, just like Randy's baptism. He had to take a physical step of obedience. And if you're here and you need to take a physical step of obedience, I want to, I want to invite you to do that right now.
Okay, will you stand with me, please? Will you stand. We're going to sing a song that says, come to the altar. And maybe you just want to come down front and pray. Maybe God's been just pressing in on you all week or maybe even today. And there's something that you just want to leave. You just, we'd love to invite you to come down front, begin to pray. And once you come down, we'll, we'll invite our prayer team. They'll come down and they'll begin to pray for you as well. But let's sing together.